Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, the Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we will be discussing an article that Nebraska Beef Extension Educator Brad Schick wrote for the July issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Bailage versus Haylage. What's really the difference? Thanks for joining me today, Brad. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, Brad, this is a topic that I really think is timely as we often hear both these terms, bailage and haylage, utilized in regards to harvesting forage. Share with us the difference between these two harvest methods and how producers might think about utilizing these two different methods depending on their individual scenarios. Yeah, so one of the things, Aaron, right off the bat is we do hear these terms a lot, bailage, haylage, and half the time we don't know what we're talking about, myself included, because you have to know, ask more questions, right? So uh, depending on where you're from, depending on what your operation is, you may interchange those terms. So the thing about uh, bailage is, bailage is, it's still in sile, it's fermented forage, but it is hayed. It is, it is a bale, and then it's wrapped uh, in plastic, either individually as a bale or in a tube, in an inline, and then it's fermented within that plastic. Our haylage, though, is it's cut and mowed just like a baleage would be, I'd start out, but then it's typically run through a forage chopper, a silage chopper, and either put into a, a bag a silo or a bunk, uh, whether that be sided or, or open and then typically covered. So that that's the initial differences between our baleage and our haylage. So Brad, as we think about the moisture content on these two products, typically they're different in terms of the moisture target we want to harvest these forages at and how we get them into the bale and then where they, they go into a bunker or a pit or they go into a tube. Yes. So, you know, even between land-grant universities, there's still different considerations for what you say is haylage or baleage and and what you would consider the the moisture content of that. Uh, Just, again, a terminology issue. However, our our baleage, typically we're looking at a 45 to 55% moisture when you want that baled and wrapped. For haylage, though, we're looking at 60 to 70% moisture. So, you know, 30 to 40% dry matter. Now, sometimes that's considered a high moisture haylage. We also have some people call it a low moisture haylage, which would be that 40 to 60% moisture. But that's also very common too. So it just kind of depends on your operation. Also, what quality you want to have for that forage coming out after it's fermented and how you have the opportunity to feed it. So those are some things that we look at for the moisture. For getting it put up right, uh, that moisture is critical. If, if you're going to start doing a baleage or haylage operation, that moisture content and that time that you actually do the baling or the chopping is extremely critical. As we think about these two different processes, of course, the one is going through a, a chopper. It's going to be either packed in a bunker or put into a, an ag bag type scenario. And, and the goal there is to have fermentation take place, the air excluded. We've got about baleage. We're thinking about putting it in a bale. And so that's where the kind of packing, so to speak, happens, or at least it's, it's packed in the bale as it's being put through the baler. 
and then puts into the tube line wrapper or wrapped individually. Give us some perspective on the differences in terms of those two products. Is there much difference as they come out and are fed or how do they differ? So baleage obviously is going to have a, a larger particle size because it's still going to have your, your full stem, right? You're baling it just like you would a hay in terms of the length, but there, it's not packed as tight coming through a baler, so there's more oxygen there. So it causes slower fermentation, which means it has a higher pH than you would with a haylage. So haylage, uh, and really with any silage, we talk about uh, haylage having a smaller particle size uh, that allows for more sugars to be available. Um, it's tighter packed, typically, because you're in a bunk and you've driven over it, or you packed it tightly in a bag, and those particles can interweave better. But yeah, the more sugars, more moisture available, and it, and it does ferment faster with a lower pH. And then you talk about uh, what that does for how you feed it. So you know there's producers in the Sandhills who they use alfalfa baleage as their uh, protein source in the winter, and they roll it out with a bale bed, um, just like you would any other hay. So that is one thing. With a haylage, you're going to have to have different equipment than you would just a typical hay, you know, dry hay. So with haylage, you're going to probably have to have some sort of feed wagon uh, or something like that because it is like a, a corn silage when you feed it. That's something to take into consideration if you think about changing or, or implementing one of these different management strategies for producing high-quality forage in your operation. So one of the things I think that baleage offers the opportunity for folks is, you know, there's times of the year or seasons where you can get out and get good quality, high quality hay put up just doing a traditional baling method. And then there's years like this year where getting high quality hay put up is almost an impossibility. It seems like with the amount of moisture we get and you have narrow windows in which to do that. So it appears that at times there's the opportunity to say, Hey, we're in a situation where, this is a time where we probably better think about maybe putting up baleage because the window to get hay put up is just not going to happen. And just give some perspective, Brad, on how producers might think about that as they look at these different options. Aaron, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, that's part of the reason why I wrote this article is because there's been a lot of hay rained on this year, and that's whether that's grass or alfalfa. If we aren't able to put up high-quality alfalfa or grass, you're depending on that for high-quality feed, maybe implementing, say, a baleage-type uh, operation in, you know, on your operation is a great way of maybe producing a cheaper protein source, a cheaper uh, high-quality forage that you can feed later, and it does add flexibility. So just for example, if, if you have good alfalfa that's down and gets rained on once, and there's another rain coming. If you bale it at 45 to 55% moisture and can wrap it, have a capability, you're going to significantly keep a lot of that forage quality as opposed to having to let it dry out again and that you would with a typical dry hay. Now, one of the things is obviously you're dealing with plastic. You're dealing with having to not have holes in that plastic. Um, if there are holes, that's going to add oxygen to the environment. It's not going to ferment correctly. There's no uh, nothing aside from saying, yeah, there's, there's challenges, but they can be mitigated with you know, some just some simple management. The thing about baleage and that plastic is 
you will have to have slightly different equipment. You may have to have something different on your, um, on your tractor. You obviously would have to get a wrapper or if you get one of the inline tubes, which are becoming more popular with storing grain, um, those similar type tubes and plastic are available. That's a couple things to consider. And then, like I said before, how you feed it. With baleage, it's very similar to, to just a typical dry hay. If you can, you can do that. Um, haylage is a little bit more challenging. Well, I really appreciate you writing this article, Brad. Anything else you'd like to add as we point towards wrapping this up? Well, one thing I think is that, um, you know, this can be done with grass, legumes, combination. You know, we look at even with increasing cover crops in different parts of the country, different parts of the state, that can be a situation where you can maybe add some value coming off your ground using a haylage or a baleage. You know, we get high quality uh, alfalfa and grass can be, even be used as a protein source in a winter on range, for example. You know, we can get upper 20s, uh, mid to upper 20s for a crude protein. Uh, TDN can be upper 60s, even 70s. And, and that's something that we can really utilize as a different feed stuff for cow-calf to, to stalkers to, to a lot of other different livestock classes. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Brad. Thank you, Aaron. For more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, please visit the beef.unl.edu website.